This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. You heard me say uh, the Synoptic Gospels. Um, um, let's ask the head of Department of Systematic Theology and Ecclesiology and the director of the Bayes Nordia Center for Public Theology, Professor Dion Foster. Far better qualified to answer such a question. I'm embarrassed that I even try. Uh, good morning, Dion. Morning, Brad. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm so glad you're here. You know, it's one of those when you're a kid and someone wants, to, you don't know what to do, you hide behind your dad and say, My dad will sort it out. I feel like that with you this morning. It's like, Dion will sort it out. <laughs> Brad, actually, it's, I mean, it's a good question to ask. And um, yeah, so just, I mean, in a nutshell, uh. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, are, they share two common sources. So if you, if you think about it, each of the four Gospels is a, a narrative of the sayings of Jesus, so mm. what Jesus said, and the miracles of Jesus, the things that Jesus did. Yeah. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke share a three-year chronology, so from, from the beginning of Jesus' first miracle until the crucifixion. And when you read it, you can see, I mean, these are exactly the same um, sentences. You know, yes. the words of Jesus are exactly the same. Now, for modern readers, that's not so astounding, but think about it. If you lived in an oral tradition, yeah. the possibility of a sentence changing slightly or the emphasis being placed un, uh, elsewhere was very, very high. So we know that the authors of those three Gospels must have had a textual source mm. from which they copied those, those sayings um, so that, that the authenticity could remain. So basically what we think is that there were two sources. There was a source called Q source. Okay. Uh, from from the German word quell. And the reason we know that is because neither Matthew, Mark, or Luke um, seems to operate as that source. You know, when we put the three Gospels next to each other, yeah. there's some bits that overlap completely, and each Gospel has one or two things that the others don't have. So, yes. so each of them has a little bit more than the other in that sense, and each of them has a little bit less than the other. So we know they are not the, the, the primary source. There must have been another source which was lost. And then the second thing is we think probably that um, Mark's gospel was actually the earliest of the three gospels. Uh-huh. Matthew was placed first, but, um, but we think it was Mark's gospel. And the reason for that is because it's the shortest gospel. And one of the things we've come to learn about narratives is that the longer the, they exist, the more embellished they become, the more we, we fill in the details, the more we try and point people to what we think matters. Uh. So, so we know Mark's gospel was the most direct. It was just the telling of these are the sayings of, of Jesus. Now, let's just quickly touch on John's gospel. John's gospel is completely different. So it comes from a much later period. Um, it was written almost a generation after Matthew, Mark, uh-huh. and Luke. And um, John is very clear that, that what he's doing is he's not wanting to write a history. In Luke says, if you go and read Luke chapter 1, uh, you know, those first five verses, you see mm. Luke is absolutely clear. He says, most excellent Theophilus, I write about uh, Jesus having researched everything carefully so that you could have uh, a record, a yes. historical record. Whereas if you look at John chapter 20, verse 31, John says, in, in that verse, he says, 30 and 31, he says, you know, Jesus did many other miraculous signs indeed, and mm. said many other things which are not recorded in this gospel. But what I have recorded here, I have recorded so that you may continue to believe. So we, we must know that was after 
the, 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 the problems in Jerusalem, the burning mm. of Jerusalem, Christians were coming under far greater persecution, both from the Jews and the Roman authorities, and some were beginning to fall away, right. losing their faith. And so John says, well, let me write another gospel that, that helps you to recognize that, that you can maintain your faith uh, in Jesus. So it's not a history, it's a theology as, as such. I like that. Thank you. It's, it's more about who Jesus is than what he did. Yeah, I mean, all of them are about, about who, who Jesus is, but just told from different perspectives in, in a sense. And, and that's the important thing that we have to remember. You know, each of those books is written by someone for a particular community, and, and we have the privilege of receiving it. But because it had a particular origin and, and focus, it means that, you know, obviously it's, uh, it, it, it's slightly different. Each of them is slightly, slightly different. By the way, Brad, this is yeah. going to be in the test. I'm, uh, I'm listening so everyone carefully. Everyone must be seated at uh, 11 a.m. and we'll start the test then. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I've got an HB pencil that's nice and sharp. And, and, <laughs> absolutely. And with, absolutely. Us, with us looking ahead to Human Rights Day that's coming up, I mean, in those Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John, finding the sacrifice of Jesus and what that really achieved for us to enable us to become fully human. Brad, so Monday is... Human Rights Day in South Africa, and and one of the sad things I've seen with Christians at times is we tend to separate our faith from our public life. Mm. You know, we tend to think, well, Christianity is something I do in my home and in my church, but public life is something very different. I was struck this week, I was reading again that narrative in Mark chapter 5, 25 to 34. You'll know it well. It's the story of the woman who is bleeding, and after 12 years of bleeding, she comes to Jesus. Now, this particular story is, is such an important story. Just, mm. just quickly to touch on it, you, you'll remember she comes through the crowd, she sneaks through and she touches Jesus, and Jesus asks the question, who has touched me? And mm. Jesus says, well, everyone's pushing against you, and yeah. Jesus says, no, someone touched me because I know that power has gone out from me. Now, this was a very, very important thing for, for us to hold on to. You see, this woman, by virtue of, of the Hebrew law, was ritually unclean. Mm. So she shouldn't have been in that crowd, and she definitely shouldn't have touched Jesus. But what Jesus does is he turns everything upside down. When she touches him, instead of him becoming unclean, she becomes clean. Ah. And she gets restored. I mean, isn't this just a wow. wonderful thing? From being excluded from society, placed on the margins, Jesus restores her not only in her physical life, but in her public life. Mm. Suddenly she can become a member of the community again. You know, Brad, as, as, as I read that, it just struck me again. Wow. I, I went and quickly had a look at, at a few of Jesus' miracles, his healings. Now think about this. There's a thread that runs through all of them. The leper, who can once again return to the city. The adulterous woman, mm. who's no longer ostracized and condemned. The demon-possessed man, who's no longer an outcast living amongst the grave, the hated Samaritan who suddenly becomes a hero. So I just wanted to to leave us with that one thought, to say, as we approach Human Rights Day on Monday, let's remember that that was part of of the core of what Jesus was coming to do. Yes, he comes to set us free from Mm -hmm. our personal sin, but he's also working so that we can be free from structural sin. Those things that exclude people, that demonize them, that place them on the outside. Jesus is saying, not only do we need to redeem people, but let's also see how we can heal and redeem structures so that the dignity of persons can be restored and every person can live fully.
What a what a ten minutes we've spent in your company, Dion. You've opened our minds to things, you've answered difficult questions, and you've enabled us to feel so confident in ourselves and have a completely different outlook to the people around us because the freedom that we so love to profess and talk about is something that other people are also experiencing. And we should celebrate that freedom that they have in Jesus with them as well, instead of having this whole us and them sort of scenario. Aren't we all Amen. sinful and we all fall short of the glory of God? We should be celebrating who we all are as a family and move away from this us and them mentality. Dion, thank you this morning. Appreciate that a lot. Thanks, my friend. Well, listen, blessings to you and to our listeners. Have a wonderful, wonderful human rights weekend and let's celebrate the dignity and rights of all our fellow citizens. That's beautiful. Have yourself a great day out in the Helderberg, Dion. Thanks, my friend. Bye, then. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.